0: Well, today, uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Of course, the holidays sort of give a little, not only an introduction to the holidays, uh, but uh, to help us to really appreciate the importance of these days, uh, the importance of these days. So we know uh, uh, these holidays from the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 23, you know, I'm just going to ask, how many of you uh have never really uh experienced these holidays or not real familiar with them? Anybody? Not real familiar? Right, right? Okay, there we go. All right, good. So that's great. Uh I, I'm so glad that uh uh, that we're here. Part of what we do is help folks to understand uh, what these holidays are about. So in Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 23, it says, Again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest a reminder by the blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire uh, to the Lord. And then I'm going to read the next few verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, And exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. So what we see here is... Uh, that uh, it says in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, it's a rest and a reminder, a remembrance. Some uh, translations say a memorial uh, by the blowing of now trumpets. Uh, is probably in your text, and it might be in uh, italics. Italics, okay. Uh, and uh, you know, it's an interesting word, trumpets. There's actually a Hebrew word for trumpet that's not in this passage. I, uh, and, uh, you know, back uh, when, you know, 40 years ago, when I would teach on this, I, I would say, uh, you know, it's not exactly like, you know, Herb Alpert and the Chihuahua Brass. I can't say that anymore because three quarters of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Right? Um, but, you know, I, it's, I, when we read here about the blowing of trumpets, it's not like, you know, trumpeters, uh, okay? Uh, Actually, what it says is Yom HaTruah, which is an interesting word, uh, because the literal, the the absolute literal translation is the day of loud noise, the day of making noise, okay? Some are saying, every day is Rosh Hashanah, right? (laughs) At my house, right? Uh <laughs> it's funny. Uh, the feast of making noise. Now, but the word is used a few different ways in the Bible. Uh, you know, for example, in Psalm 150, it's used but uh, sealed, true off. If you're familiar, you know, there's a song uh, in other times we we sing, uh, and it means, Resounding symbols resounding symbols. in fact, if you lo- you don't have to look now, but in Psalm 150 it says, you know uh, make a, a, a noise with loud symbols and then the next phrase says resounding And so uh, actually uh, in Hebrew when it says loud symbols, it simply means make a melody make a make a song. A, but when it says resounding symbols, it means make a loud noise, make a loud noise. Uh, but then it's also used, uh, for example, in the book of Joel, uh, where we read um, um, about um, sound an alarm, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. It's the same word, trua, sound an alarm. Right? So it's basically a noise that's made for varieties of reasons, varieties of, of purposes. So what's kind of interesting about, uh, this is that all it says is that it's a reminder. It doesn't say what to do. It doesn't give us a historical reason for it. It doesn't even tell us, like, take specific offerings and, and, and so on. One of the things that we do know, uh, what the text says, it's on the first day of the month. So if you're familiar with uh, the Jewish world, the first day of every month uh, is a holiday, is, is a holy day, Rosh Chodesh, uh, the head of the month, right? And so the first day of the seventh month uh, is uh, evidently a particularly special uh, day, the first day of the seventh month. And so it's a Shabbaton, it's a day of rest. Uh, and again, it says a memorial or a reminder. Uh, in fact, sometimes we call it Yom Hazikaron, uh, the day of remembrance, right? Uh, by, by making uh, this loud noise, right? A holy uh, a convocation. So let me suggest to us, uh, we know that it's called Rosh Hashanah, Right? And I will say that uh, when I was investigating the claims of Yeshua, and w- at that time I was like looking to find holes in the argument, you know? I was looking to uh, prove to uh, the people who were sharing the good news with me that this is craziness, right? So they gave me, in those days, tracts, right? Literature galore, Right? And so, uh, I can, I remember this like it was yesterday, reading this thing about the seven feasts of Leviticus 23. And so it's here, it's talking about the seventh month. Uh, And, and I, I said, aha! It's the first month! Because it's Rosh Hashanah! How could this be the seventh month? See these? They don't know what they're talking about, right? Uh, And, of course, then um, I was uh, led to this passage to read it, and I see, lo and behold, there it is. That Passover is actually in the first month, Uh, and that Rosh Hashanah is in the seventh month. So what's the deal on that, right? Well, the reality is, is that in the ancient world, uh you know agriculture is what drove the seasons and the months uh and the way people lived agriculture and every year it was kind of like a circular traveling you know going around in a circle uh, in, in a circle of course we think linearly and we get and chron- time moves forward chronologically but uh the holidays itself guided the lives of our ancestors, and it kind of went around uh, uh, seasonal. So uh, the seventh month, not only because it's the seventh month, uh, perhaps a very important number of fulfillment and completion like Shabbat, like the Shabbat month, you know, that type of thing, but agriculturally uh, the seventh month, Tishrei, is both the end and the beginning of the agricultural year. It's the end of the year and it's the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when we think about our, our our you know secular year. Uh you can look at December 31st, you know, and January first are only 24 hours apart, right? And so one is the end of the year, and the and uh if you hold your breath long enough, it's the beginning of the year. They kind of happen at the same time, in other words, the end of the beginning. Uh, and so uh, you have, in the seventh month, you have the end of the harvest seasons, the end of the gathering in, the end of the harvest season, the end of that of the growing year, and the beginning of the rainy season. Okay, That's why we pray for rain. Uh, you know, when we uh, come to this uh, time of year, uh, uh, traditionally, in. And Sheminiat Seret and Simchat Torah, you know, the prayers for rain in, in Israel. Uh, and so it's the end of the year and the beginning of the year, hence Rosh Hashanah. Over time it it developed uh, uh, that it was the beginning of the creation. Uh, and uh, of course the text doesn't say that or you know in in the Bible, but that's how the understanding developed that it became called Rosh Hashanah, uh, the head of the year. But biblically, what we know for sure is that uh, on the first day of this seventh month, we're supposed to remember something, and it's a pretty important thing to remember because we like, it's like an alarm clock. We blow the alarm to like wake us up. And uh, may I suggest that it's only in the context Of the, of this part of the Bible that we really understand what the purpose of the holiday is. And I would suggest that the purpose of the holiday is to prepare us for 10 days later, which is, which is the day of atonement, right? Which is the day of reconciliation. Uh, Traditionally, we understand Rosh Hashanah as uh, the holiday of uh, coming to terms with our lives, of of repentance. Uh, And then on uh, Yom Kippur is the day of reconciliation. And then we could say the day uh, of Sukkot, or the season of Sukkot, the week of Sukkot is rejoicing. Uh, And interestingly enough, there is plenty written way back in the second temple period, which actually was the time period of the new covenant uh, of, of Yeshua, right? that actually uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur were both holidays preparing us for Sukkot. But in the Jewish world today, the High Holy Days, uh, and that's the terminology uh, that's used. The High Holy Days refers to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Refers to the Feast of Trumpets and the Day, the Jewish New Year, Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement. In, uh, modern Judaism, not just modern, I mean, in Judaism today of any stripe, uh, Sukkot is actually considered a minor holiday, considered a minor holiday. Uh, but it was not so, but we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, right? But today we want to focus on entering into, uh, entering into this season. Uh, we have some traditions on, uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, apples and honey, eating apples and honey. We eat apples and honey because of the idea of turning a page. That on Rosh Hashanah we're turning a page. It's the new year. Does anybody know what year is coming up? Fifty-seven, eighty-two. Right? We're in the eighties. Okay. Remember the eighties? Back in the ancient way, you know, fifty-seven, eighty-two, we had to have big hair. Uh, well, anyway, that's another story. But, um, uh, 5782. That's the traditional year, you know, on the Jewish, uh, calendar. Uh, and so we eat apples and honey to, uh, remind us that we're turning a page. And I would suggest, you know, the, the whole idea is, is that it is a season of repentance that yields, uh, as we read in the book of Hebrews, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know, and, and, so we eat apples and honey looking forward to a good, a good year, um, a healthy, uh, year. And of course, the main thing that we all know that we do on Rosh Hashanah is blow the shofar. And, uh, Paul Weisberger will once again, uh, be blowing the shofar on uh, Monday night and, uh, a Tuesday. And, uh, and it has great significance. It has lots of meanings. Uh, in Jewish lore and understanding. It's a wake-up call. Like, you know, wake us up from our sleep uh, and to remember who God is and and who we are, and as is the title of a book, that this is real and we are completely unprepared for it. You know, that it's a, it's a serious time of year. Uh, for most of us growing up Jewish, it's kind of like you know, there's the religious part blowing the shofar, and then you have a really big happy meal. Well, not a happy meal, but a happy meal with uh, the relatives. Uh, you know, and 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 uh, I have those uh, great memories of uh, of my youth and, and growing up. But it really is a very uh, serious a serious holiday uh, uh, for us. Uh, there's also, there's great stories about the shofar. Uh, some would say, uh, there's a midrash, a a story that tells of the, the, shofar is, is like our connection to heaven on, uh, Rosh Hashanah. It opens up the gates, uh, of, uh, of repentance, you know. Uh, but I would say that for most of us, I think, in, in a sense, it's kind of like a, it can serve as, in a way, Kind of like a prayer, you know, crying out, uh, uh crying out to God, uh as like a lament, uh, you know. Uh, and of course, you know, nine eleven is coming up, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but that year, that year, uh nine eleven was, I believe, the day before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and so every rabbi on earth changed everything then. And I remember myself uh, talking about a shofar sound, that sometimes things happen in this world that serve as like a shofar sound, a, a crying out to God, you know, that, call, that makes us stop and take stock in our lives and who we are. And, uh, and we forget about everything. We forget about our you know uh, all of our passions and interests, and like life just stops. You know, and that's what happened then, right? It was like a shofar sound in in a in a, in a way, but that's what's supposed to happen every year when we blow that shofar. Like whoa, you know, uh, forget about you know going to that thing or seeing those people or the things in this world that I'm I'm worried about right now. It's just whoa. You know, know before whom you stand. It's sort of the theme, uh, you know. Know before whom you stand. In many synagogues, that's written above the Aron HaKodesh, above the ark. You know, when we take out the Torah, know before whom you stand. Uh, And even as uh, believers in Yeshua, sometimes we forget that. And uh, we know that we are forgiven uh, of our sins. And so sometimes the... We lose the edge, you might say, of being concerned about standing before God because we have in our back pocket, I know I'm saved, right? I know that uh, my sins are forgiven. And so even though we read in uh, Romans uh, chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace might increase, may it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? I think that for many of us, we may know those verses, but it doesn't really bother us. We're not, uh, you know, we're not distracted by our sins. We're sort of distracted by everything else. And we sin, we say, oh, well, you know, God understands me, and and that's how it is. But, you know, we really need to indeed take it uh, seriously. This is a time of year for us to be praying uh, a verse that's in. Psalm 139. In Psalm uh, 139, we read in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. It's kind of a scary thing if we take it seriously. Search me, O God. Because God knows us better than we know ourselves. And that when we come to this time of year, sometimes it feels like we just, um, you, you know, uh, we don't really think deeply about those things. And sometimes we don't actually have clarity. There may be things way down deep inside of us that maybe need to be brought to the surface. It's not a pleasant thing. You know, it's not just, let's pray this before we have dinner tonight, you know. But really, God, search me and know me. And if we really pray with integrity and with kavanah, with uh, intention, I just know that God brings things to the surface, you know. I, and, uh, and And so when he says, search me and know my heart, Some of it is search me and reveal to me my heart. Help me to know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Know my difficult thoughts. And in our thoughts are all kinds of things. There may be, uh, you know, uh, sinful thoughts, but maybe like regrets and remorse and... Uh, you know, God, open me up, is basically what this is saying. Take that spotlight and put it on me. That takes real courage to pray that kind of prayer. It takes a lot of courage to pray that kind of prayer. And see if there, if there is any hurtful way in me, and, and lead me in the everlasting way. Put me on the right road, the everlasting way. Okay? Even as Messiah followers, we oftentimes, even though we are to be doctrinally correct, our position is in the light, but we're living in the dark. Okay, Our position may be in the light. Yes, we have an assurance of eternal life. Yes, we've been delivered from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. Yes, no doubt it's not based on works or what we do, yet... For many of us, all of us, to a certain degree, live in the dark somewhere. Whether it's in our thought life, or in our thought life and the things that we do, or the things that we do when nobody's around, uh, you, you know. Uh, and so therefore we need, when we, when you talk about reality, or what is real, God reveals to us what it, what is real. So, you know, I looked up some different translations uh of this, and I'm just gonna read a few. Okay. So one is see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Only the second it's what I looked up actually was verse uh uh, uh twenty four. Uh, see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in uh the everlasting way. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. See if there is a way of iniquity. See if there is any idolatrous tendency. See if there is any offensive way in me. And you know, that is actually a very good translation of the word. Is there an offensive way in me? You know, sin is offensive, but just offensive, grievous. Uh, things that are not right. Uh, things that are just not, that God would not be happy to see, you, you know, uh, in my life, uh, and lead me in the everlasting way. God is not going to give up. God is not, when He sees it, it's not like He's, He's like a doctor in this way. You know, He's like the great physician. He doesn't look at it and say, I'm not interested in you. I expected more of you. No, he wants to bring healing to our heart. He wants to bring healing to our mind. He wants to lead us in the everlasting way. And that takes, that takes some time. That's not one of those quickie prayers you know, on the way somewhere. That takes time. And I hope that perhaps we have been engaged in that. Uh, but now is really the time. The idea behind blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah is wake up and now for the next 10 days think deeply introspectively examine yourself uh, and recognize uh, what may be what may be uh, in us now of course we know as messiah followers that we are connected I like to say organically connected to the Messiah via the Holy Spirit, via the Ruach HaKodesh. We read in Colossians in the third chapter, right? That I, uh, uh, we are seated in heavenly places with Yeshua, right? And so in a way, we live in two places. We live in the invisible world of the invisible kingdom of God where, you know, uh, and we live in this world, you know, that we see, our citizenship is in heaven. Our primary identity, our primary place of residence, I, uh, you know, is indeed uh, in Yeshua. That uh, is something that we have the assurance of. It says there in in Colossians, Yeshua is our life, right? Uh, uh, clearly, uh, you, we read in Galatians. Uh, chapter 2, right? that we've died and our life is in Messiah. Uh, uh, and, and so clearly, uh, we have that connection uh, uh, to, to the Lord. So we might ask ourselves, well, then why do I have to do this if I have that connection already? Why? Because if we know the Lord, our greatest desire is to serve Him and to please Him and to live in a way that demonstrates what it means to embrace the Messiah, what it means to be identified uh, in him. Sometimes when we sin, right, we feel guilty. And that's very important for us because, you know, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. There's a difference between feeling condemned or being condemned and being convicted of our sins, Clearly, in the book of Romans, we know, right, in chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. Okay? We are not condemned. If you've embraced Yeshua, there is no condemnation. But hopefully there is conviction. Hopefully there is conviction. You know, we read in uh, Ephesians, uh, in the fourth uh, in the fourth chapter, in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a very important verse, okay, because notice it says two different things. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is exactly what it means. That the Ruach dwells in us. God, via the Holy Spirit, dwells uh, in us. And when we sin, there's conviction. You know, do you ever feel that way? Like, I kind of feel guilty that, I, that I've sinned. When you really feel guilty that you've sinned, thank God. Because it's like experiencing pain. Like, you know how we need to have the, the sensation of pain? Uh, uh so that we know to address an issue that's what's going on inside of us and it needs to drive us to the lord not drive us away because if it drives us away we're not believing that there's no condemnation we need to be- if we have embraced yeshua know that you are accepted in the beloved that that he loves you uh, as much as the day that you uh, came to know him as this day but the conviction God is at work in our lives. And isn't it interesting, I don't have time, but in this week's Torah portion, I mentioned it in the Darash, we read about grieving the Ruach, Israel grieving the Holy Spirit uh, in her rebellion and disobedience in Isaiah chapter 63. And we know that right after that, it talks about you know, God redeeming uh, his people. But Israel needed to have a conviction. And what Marcy read from the Torah in, in Deuteronomy 30 the reason that our people are going to all return to Eretz Yisrael and, and God will circumcise the heart is because there'll be a conviction. There'll be a conviction uh, of sin. And so whether we are uh, really um, investigating who Yeshua is or we've been a believer for 45 years, either way, we still sin. And there needs to be this conviction. And so I pray that we will seek that out. Lord, convict me. Give me this sense of guilt because I want to be driven to you. Now, I, in fact, I, I wasn't even going to say this, but in 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite passages is in chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Where Paul is writing to them, he's writing to the uh, Corinthians, you know, and he's saying, you know, when I wrote that first letter, I kind of felt bad because I was really like uh, laying the hammer down on you, you know, and I know that it caused you grief. And so I kind of felt bad. And I will just say, boy, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have, when, if you have to say something to somebody and, you know, sort of, uh, an admonition of some sort, that is like, give me a root canal. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you like doing that, there's something wrong with you, you know, but we do it and then oh, I feel bad. Oh, that I hurt their feel. Oh, no, but you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard doing the right thing sometimes. Uh, and, uh, and so he says here, in uh, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For though I caused you sorrow or grief by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow or grief, conviction, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful or convicted or you know, felt grieved or guilty uh, to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God in order that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. And then verse 10, very important verse. For the sorrow or the grief or the guilt that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to deliverance, leading to deliverance. This is not saying you're like not a believer, not saved, but deliverance. Okay. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And so that's how you know if there is conviction, And you're a Messiah follower. You know, you're walking with God in this process. If it drives you to God, if it drives you to repent, drives you to your knees, knowing that God will, uh, God will indeed, uh, receive us. And that is an important, see, it's two sides of a coin. A sense that, wow, you know, I'm standing before God, and so there's a particular kind of fear in standing before God, yet the other side of a coin is, I know that he'll receive me. It's not like maybe he'll receive me. Like, this might be the end of me. If If I confess to God what I've done, it might be the end of me. No! When we confess to God what we've done, or what we're thinking, or you know, all those things that may be dredged up, we have an assurance that there will be peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's like, wow, I see a good thing on the other side of this. It's like going in for an operation, you know? You know? There's, there's the other side of it. Uh, and, and so, very important that we engage God in this way. And I just have a couple of other things I want to say, about repentance. One is that repentance is not just saying the words to God. Repentance is not only saying, I confess what I've done, or I agree uh, with you, God, about what I've done. It also, another part of it is forsaking, forsaking sins, getting rid of things that hold us back. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, we read, Uh, With such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race, right? And then it says that we should get rid of the weights and the sins that so easily entangle us, right? And so if we're going to run the race well, if we're going to endure well, we need to really take time and think about what are the things that are holding me back? What is, you know, what are the bricks in my backpack as I'm running? that I need to get rid of. It's not always, you know, uh, horrific sins. Sometimes it's just terrible distract things that distract us, you know? Uh, and, and sometimes God convicts us of those things, things that distract us, things that take us away from what is good. And I'll just say it again, from the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Act. Well, we we're going through Acts here on Shabbat morning, and uh, in Acts 19, you can go back and read it. Remember, we talked about those people in uh, Ephesus who were magicians, and uh, we read that they came to know the Lord. And what did they do? They burned their magic books. They burned their books. Now, I have to always say, we're not advocating book burning. Uh, okay, uh, you know that brings back horrific things to mind. But getting rid of physical, getting rid of things that identify with areas of my life that are not good for me, you know, and only that's between you, you and the Lord. Uh, and uh, and and it is interesting that you read in a number of passages. For example, in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know that passage, and my people who are called by my name hum- and if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and then it says, "Turn from their wicked ways." It doesn't say pray about their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked. That's teshuvah. It's repenting. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear. They. I will hear from heaven uh, and forgive their sins, and I will hear, heal their land. Right. Well, you know what that land is. It's Canada. No, did that go over everybody's head? There's only one, it's it's uh, Eretz Yisrael, okay, okay, uh, and then of course uh, you know in the Brit Shah in Acts three twenty six, uh, for you first uh, God raised up His servant and sent Him to bless you by turning you from your wicked ways, turning you from your wicked ways. That is what. Repentance is. It is not only a thought. It includes, yes, a prayer. But it it is just like coming, to, just like embracing Yeshua is not just is not saying a prayer. It is embracing the Messiah. And so, repentance is an is embracing a way of life. You know, uh, confessing our sins before God where we read in First John that we are forgiven and cleansed, but embracing uh, a, a a way of, uh, of life. Uh, you know, um, in uh, Ezekiel, you read a passage like this. There's a bunch of them, but you read, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. So repent and do something. Repent and do something, uh, and uh, and so that is a real uh, a real challenge uh, uh, for for us. You know, it's interesting. In again, in the book of Acts, almost at the very end of the book of Acts, you read this statement: uh, Paul is before Agrippa, and he says this. So, King Agrippa, I did not dis I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the regions of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Thank you, Paul, for articulating that. Uh, performing deeds appropriate to repentance, right? Very, very important. All right, And so quite clearly, uh, there is a need for us, even those, who are under the blood of Messiah have been forgiven of our sins. Uh, there is a need to take repentance seriously, uh, and uh, you know it is also kind of interesting uh, that um, in Revelation, it's funny. You know, I, uh, the beginning of the book of Revelation. There's a lot of talk. Uh, there's a lot of talk of of repentance when uh, John is addressing those uh, uh, congregations, you know, in chapters 2 and 3. Remember therefore for, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. And then there's a warning, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lamb stand out of its place, unless you repent. That's kind of scary, you know? So it's a serious matter. I won't take the time, but he says it to all of these congregations the need to take seriously our way of life uh, and to take seriously what God desires from us. now i I'm going to end with this, and I have to end with this, and I normally I would just stop, but I have to end with this because and I, because we need to hear it, and that is. In Exodus chapter 34, we have a passage that we're all familiar with. So I'm just going to read the passage. It's in verse uh, 6 and 7. It's when Moses is standing before God and God uh, reveals himself to Moses, right? Moses in the cleft of the rock. And he says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. You know, um, on Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to talk more about this, but all I'm going to say right now is this is a, this is a prayer Interesting, in the Jewish world, it's understood to be a prayer that God prays. We'll talk more about it on Rosh Hashanah. But the text of it for us right now uh, is very important, right? That uh, here, the, Israel had uh, done a grievous sin, right? Uh, but God forgives them. God forgives them. They're in covenant relationship with God. Remember what he said? I'm gonna do away with them and I'll start over with you. They messed up and now Moses, I'll start over again with you. You know, there are many people in churches that actually believe that that's the case with the Jewish people, by the way. <laughs> they messed up and so now we'll do this with you. Uh, Moses was wise enough to say, no, uh, you made the covenant, uh, you know, with this people, right? Uh, And so God forgives them. God forgives them and restores them. And so it's very important that we see those words, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and truth, and who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sins, but does indeed hold us accountable. That's what the end of it means. And we know that in John chapter one, in verse seventeen, that Yeshua is called Grace and Truth, the embodiment of this passage. And so, may we never be fearful of approaching God, approaching God. And so, on this, uh, during these days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, may we search our hearts. May we pray that God would reveal to us places in our heart. Maybe we need to ask forgiveness or be forgiven. Uh, uh, perhaps we we have not shown compassion or mercy uh, or perhaps uh, you know there's there's something that really has been gnawing at me that's not right. this we can you know any time of year is a time to come to God, but God has given us this time of year, both individually and communally, to come uh, and to be restored to God. But it begins with taking that honest look, that that honest prayer, search me and know me. And may we remember who we are in Messiah and never be fearful to confess our sins. Uh, and may we, through the power of the Ruach, forsake our sins and embrace the way of life that God has indeed given to us. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, um, I pray, Lord, that we might uh, truly uh, cultivate a real desire to be right with you. Lord, I can think of places in my own life where I need to uh, really uh, have a long talk with you. And uh, God, I pray that that might be true in other in the life the lives of all of us, and I pray for all of us as a community, as a Beth Messiah congregation, that we as a community might repent, that we as a congregation, I uh, might uh, walk on the derech adonai, the way of the Lord. Thank you, God, that there is no condemnation. Thank you, God, that we are indeed uh, forgiven. But God, I pray that we would uh, certainly be convicted of places in our lives where we need, to, we need to change, be transformed. God, I pray that none of us have lost hope in that. I pray that none of us here today would be of the opinion, well, you know, I'll never be really uh, turn a corner of spirituality. Lord, I pray that we might not listen to that voice. God and that we might listen to your voice a voice that says come to me all who are who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my load is light i pray we would listen to the voice of yeshua lord and uh, we pray in messiah's name amen